Well, good morning. There are more people here than I anticipated. When we were at home, I told my wife, it'll be pretty thin this morning with people at camp out and the change of time and all the things that are involved with that. And I have to tell you something about what happened at our house this morning. If I'm really wide awake this morning, you should be well aware of the fact, one, I knew I was preaching And secondly, when I turned the water on to get hot water for a shower, it wasn't. (laughs) So it was an exceedingly short shower. But I assure you, I took one and ran around in the drops a little bit there and got wet enough to towel off because it was pretty chilly for a shower. But we are here. We're glad to be here. I'm glad you're here this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 13 going to be focusing on the character of Lot this morning for quite a bit of the message. And already somebody noticed, and I wondered if somebody would notice, but already somebody noticed the title of the message is Pitching Your Tent. And I I debated about what I'm going to title the message. And I thought, you know what, if you look at verse 12, when you get there, and we'll read it in just a moment, but if you look at verse 12, it says that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. And I thought, you know what, this is Camp Out Weekend, so I'm just going to title it Pitching Your Tent. And I'm going to ask you as we're going through this meditation this morning about in what direction are you pitching your tent today and tomorrow and so on. And I had to think about that and think about that we used to spend our weekends up there when church camp out was years ago. As we got older, we didn't do that so much, but I am not a camper. Never was, never went camping as a child. My father was not able to go camping. And so camping out was not high on my agenda. And I I used to tell people my idea of roughing it is to carry the suitcase from the car to the hotel. But you know what? They got really smart. They put wheels on those things. (laughs) Now, the only thing I have left to do is convince Sue to get the suitcase out the back and roll it on in, and I'm in good shape. But... All that aside, today really is the Lord's Day. And we're going to look at God's Word. And I I particularly, I I enjoy, and you may, well, I haven't preached here for a while, but I enjoy preaching from the Old Testament. I remember when I began preaching, I, I wondered what it's going to be like to preach from the Old Testament. But I have learned to really enjoy that simply because of the fact that God, in His wisdom, when he tells us the things that happen in the Old Testament, he doesn't gloss over their shortcomings. He talks to us about it, but then he also tells us the consequences of making good and not so good choices. And Lot case here today in Genesis 13 tells us about Lot's choice and the things he made. I thought about titling the message this morning, Being Nearsighted or the Consequences of Being Nearsighted. So let's read chapter 13. I'm only going to read the first 13 verses, reading from the NIV. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock, in silver and gold. And from the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had been had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. 
But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites, Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived amongst the city of plain, cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've kept your word. And particularly, Father, I, we appreciate this story about Lot. Not the fact that he made some poor choices, but the fact that it's there for us to see, to read about, and most especially to learn from. And as always, as when I'm preaching, I pray that you would quiet our hearts before you. Put aside the distractions of this morning, this week. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that love your word. And bless me as I share, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of the five senses that God gives us when he creates us, touch, smell, taste, hearing, and seeing, you think about those five and ask yourself this question, which of those would I miss the most if it were taken away? Touch, smell, taste, hearing, and seeing. I'll tell you which one I would miss the most, and I'll tell you why. I love to read. I, I do a lot of reading. And I would miss the seeing part if that were taken away. Some 43 plus years ago, my left eye was very seriously injured. And I came very, very close to losing sight in that eye. And after three surgeries and a contact lens with these, I don't do any reading with that eye since then. All my reading is done with the right eye. But when something of that nature happens, you become very quickly aware of the importance of good vision, of seeing, being able to see. There are vision problems all over the world, particularly even in America. You think here in America it's not such a big deal. And I was reading and it said that over half the people over the age of 30 have corrective vision of some kind, whether it's glasses, contacts, surgeries, whatever it might be. They need or we need vision, corrective vision to see what's happening in our world. And it's important to do that. And I have to tell you, Four, three times a year, every four months, I go in to see the ophthalmologist about my eye to make sure that this eye, the good eye, is still in good shape because I'm very concerned about maintaining that excellent vision. But there's another kind of vision that is even of greater importance than being able to see with your eyes. And I'm talking about 
spiritual vision, to see what God wants me to see, to know what God wants me to know. I'm talking about spiritual perception and understanding what God wants to do in my life. People have vision problems. They have tunnel vision, nearsightedness, farsightedness, glaucoma, eye injuries, you name it. There's lots of things. And people are concerned about it as they should be. But folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, be concerned about that. But be even more concerned about your spiritual vision, where you're doing and what you're seeing and how you're interpreting and making decisions based on what you're seeing in your life. Lot. I, I call Lot a man that was extremely nearsighted. He could only see what was right in front of him. And we, most of us know this story well. Abraham and Lot had grown so prosperous that their herds were so large, their flocks of sheep were so large that the herdsmen began fussing, as this particular portion of Scripture says, and they began fussing. And I've been in that area of the world, and I'm guessing Lot and Abraham's herdsmen were also at times struggling with wanting to have enough water for their flocks. And Abraham wisely said, you know what, we can't be doing this. We're family. I'm using my, a little bit of my imagination. We can't be doing this. And he said... We, we need to go our separate ways, and so we, don't be, we won't be fussing. And Lot looked up, and he saw the, the wonderful place over here, and he said, man, that looks great. I'll take that. But what he failed to see, he failed to see the influences that Sodom was going to have on his own life and the life of his family. And you continue reading. If you want to jot a note down or just make a mental note, read chapter 19 when you get home. It's a really sad story from Lot. And even, and I find this interesting because I did some a little bit of looking. Second Peter says, Peter calls Lot a righteous man. He was at least to begin with. I'm not sure where Lot ended up at the end of his life. So as we look at Lot and we, and we see the mistakes that he made, and we, and, and we have the, the wonderful privilege of reading this and looking and seeing the end from the beginning. God allows us to do that. But let's not stop there. Let's look at that and use that for our own lives and say, what am I doing? Am I making some of the same kinds of choices that Lot did? Am I seeing the future consequences of some of the decisions I'm making, good or bad? Let's do some self-examination as I'm sharing this message. And, and at first I would say we're going to need to look deeper than what we see on the surface. And I want you to note Lot's immediate reaction when his uncle Abraham, I'm going to call him Abraham. I know it says Abram here, changed his name, but it's easier for me to do that. I want you to note Lot's immediate reaction when his uncle Abe said to him, he said, Lot, we, we need to do something here, but you know, our herdsmen are not getting along. We've grown so big that we need to go our separate ways. And I, I can just imagine this scenario happening and they were sitting there conversing in their tent. They didn't have houses. In their tent. And Abraham saying to Lot, he said, why don't we go up on this mountain and we'll look around 
And then you choose first. You decide where you want to go. And whatever's left, I'll take whatever's left. And can't, I, I can just about imagine Lot's eyes getting big and say, you know, if Uncle Abe's going to be foolish enough to give me first chance at picking, I'm not going to ask a second time. I'm going to take him up. And his eyes lit up. And I, I see greed. I see selfishness. I see me taking over in Lot's life. You know, he wanted the very best for himself. Despite the fact that I am convinced that Abraham had the right and should have been the one choosing first, I would remind you that Abraham was responsible for Lot. I went back and tried to do a little reading. I couldn't discover how old it was, but when Lot's father, Haran, died, He must have been a young man because it says his grandfather Terah and Abraham at that point took him under his wing. And and again, I'm going to use a little bit of sanctified imagination because I believe that Abraham said to Lot, you know, you come, I will look out for you, I will teach you, you will be my son. And I'm convinced that Abraham taught him everything that he knows at that point. I'm convinced Abraham told him how to be a good businessman. And I'm guessing, as I say sometimes, my sanctified imagination. I can visualize Abraham saying to Lot, you know, every so many lambs that are born, you can have it. I'm going to give you a running start for your, for your herds or your flocks. And what I'm saying is that Lot owed Abraham the very person he was. He owed Abraham everything. He turned his back on that. He turned his back on his uncle Abraham. And I, I, I was thinking about that and I wonder, have, have I done that in my life? And I'm sure I have, but I'm pretty blind to my own flaws, as you are. Not to mine, but to your own. I'm convinced there are times that people have invested much in our lives. When we have the, the privilege, the opportunity, the obligation to recognize, to acknowledge what those people have done in our lives, and instead of doing that, we run ahead and we're so concerned about ourselves, about what we want, about what's important to me, that we turn our backs on those people. Far too many of us, I'm including me, I think many times without being intentional are unintentionally ungracious, unappreciative of what people have done in our lives as Christians, the impact that people have made on our lives. Peter wrote this in Second Peter, I'm sorry, First Peter. Now, he, Peter's talking to young men, but this applies, the principle is there for all of us. He says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. When they were up on that mountain, And Abraham said to Lot, you look around and you choose. All Lot could see 
was the good things that were right in front of him. He could just see the materialistic attraction, the benefits of pitching his tent towards Sodom. It looked good. It looked good on the surface. He could see only to hear. And I'm not convinced that he was even willing to consider something else. Wasn't willing to consider his uncle. And I would say to you, good spiritual vision in my life and in your life requires the Holy Spirit's presence and power and purpose and passion in my life when I look at what I'm doing with the decisions that I'm making. When you make decisions, ask God for direction. Ask God what is best for me, not materially, but what is best for me spiritually. How can I grow with the decisions I'm making? What's going to happen if I do this or if I don't do that? We need to be able to look beyond what we see on the surface. And I, I'm just human enough. Sometimes I can't. And I love David when he writes this in Psalm 73. And I, I'm going to tell you my humanity. I, I identify with what David says in Psalm 73. He said, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. But he didn't stop there. He said, It was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. What David is saying, he said, you know, right now I'm just seeing this God. You know, I, I see how well, how great these people who are wicked and ungodly. And I see it in our world today. And I'm thinking, God, where are you? Why don't you come and intervene? I'm having a hard time, God. And these people are not godly. They're wicked. They don't serve you. They don't care about you. What's happening here? That was David. Sometimes that's me. Then I need to do what David did and go into the sanctuary of God and begin to understand it's not just about today. It's about tomorrow and the next day and 50 years from now and 100 years from now. We need to look at what we fail to see. Lot failed to see the sinfulness or the wickedness of Sodom. It wasn't so much what he saw, but what he failed to see. He said, now the men, look at verse 13. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and sinning greatly against the Lord. Never be misled by what's right in front of you by appearances. Now, I'm a cabinet maker by trade. I grew up in a cabinet shop. My dad was particular. He was concerned about quality of cabinets. And sometimes I see cabinets and I, and, and at first blush, when you look at them, they, they look great. Then you begin to open the doors. You begin to pull out the drawers. You begin to check things out. And you know behind there, they're basically glorified cardboard behind there. It looks good to begin with. 
that's what Lot was seeing. He was seeing the front. He wasn't seeing the cardboard behind. He was seeing the pleasures of the wicked, the pleasures of this world. He was seeing possessions, the potential to get even wealthier. He was seeing the things that only look good, but he wasn't seeing the more important things. There's more to life, and Lot failed to recognize that than what appears to begin with. There's far more than the bright lights and possessions and positions, social status, the size of your house, the things of this world. Hear me now. The things of this world are insatiable. If you don't know what that word means, look it up. The things of this world are insatiable. It's never enough. Never enough. History will tell you that. Alexander the Great conquered the known world and it said when he was done with the last one, he wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. There was nothing else. And I was preparing for this message and I recalled a quote attributed to John Rockefeller who lived in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Very, very wealthy. Probably the wealthiest person of that era. Maybe close to of all time from what I was reading. He's very wealthy. And someone asked him one time, he said, you know, well, how much is enough? You have all this. How much is enough? And many of you have heard this. To which he responded with this, just one dollar more. Just one dollar more. That made me curious. And so I I did some reading on John Rockefeller. And I, I have to tell you this. From all reading, he was very good to his employees. He was paid them fairly and well, generous. And he recognized that money was not everything. He was just simply responding to a question. But even for him, it was just one dollar more. The cravings of your soul are never satisfied by the things that you see around you. The cravings of your soul are only satisfied by a connection, a relationship with God. For good reason, Jesus, when he was asked, what is the most important commandment? He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second he said, it's like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Folks, hear me again. The pleasures of this world, the pursuit of this world's things are insatiable. They're never enough. Lot failed to see that. Failed to see the downward pull of sin. I don't think... And here's here's another imaginary conversation he might have had with his wife. I don't know if this happened. I think it could have. And his wife may have asked Lot, are you really sure you want to go over there? You know what those people are like over there? Those people are wicked. They're ungodly. You 
Yeah, Matilda. I call her Matilda. That's my favorite lady for people that don't know their name. Yeah, Matilda. We'll be fine. We're going to live out here. And if we need some supplies, I'll go in there. I'll have one of the servants go in there and decide. And we'll get what we need. But we, we just won't associate with those people. We'll be good. We're okay. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Lot focused his attention on what was the best land. And obviously it was. Verse 10 tells us it was like the Garden of the Lord. It was like Egypt. Garden of the Lord is Garden of Eden. You ever think about what the Garden of Eden looked like? The splendor, the magnificence, the beauty the sinlessness of the Garden of Eden without pure. I don't think we have any idea, any good comprehension of that. And here's what I, and this is free. Here's what I think heaven's going to be like. I think heaven's going to be like the Garden of Eden on steroids. So it's like Egypt. Egypt at that point along the Nile was considered to be lush, prime grazing land, beauty. And Lot had been there with Abraham already, so he knew what it looked like. And he said, you know what, Matilda, that looks good. We're going there. We'll be all right. What would you have done? What would you have done if you'd have been Lot? And more importantly, what are you doing? Keep going because we see in verse 10 some of the things that Lot wasn't able to see. He knew. I'm convinced Lot knew that these cities were ungodly. He knew they were wicked. He knew they were sin-cursed. And Lot convinced himself, I'm not going to be influenced by them. We're going to be all right. We're going to go there. We're going to be just fine. Lot chose to ignore their ungodliness. In verse 11, we see that Lot moved. Verse 12 says he pitched his tent nearer towards Sodom. And people move for all kinds of reasons. And that's fine. Many of us have moved here. Some of you during the winter months, that's pretty smart. People move for promotions. They move to get out of renting, to buy a house if they can afford it. They move for family reasons, you know, all kinds of things. Most of them are innocuous, they're fine. But what I wanted you to think about, not about actually moving from one house to the next, that's important, I'm not diminishing that. But the moves that you make in your personal life, make sure that you screen them through the eyes of God. Make good, powerful, important decisions through the light of the Word of God in your life. Choose wisely. Because long-term implications can be far more serious than sometimes we consider. Verse 12 in the King James. Abram lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Abram took 
what was left. Abram took what was left, which is fine, because he was where God wanted him to be. Lot moved right in amongst the most ungodly, wicked people of that known world. I would remind you that Lot didn't go to be a missionary. Lot wasn't Jonah going to Nineveh. Lot didn't go there to tell those people about God and what God had done for him and what Abraham had done for him and the God of their ancestors and all the things that God meant to him personally. Lot did not go there to be a missionary. Lot went there because it looked good from a worldly perspective and he failed to acknowledge the implications in his own life. And I would say to you, lastly, we need to be careful not to lose our vision. You know, it's easy for us today, somewhat, I think about 4,000 years later, give or take a little, to see the end result of Lot's choices, how it affected his own life and the life of his family. Let's just be careful that we don't do the same. Happens slowly, imperceptibly. We move so gradually from a relationship with God and over here is the world that it's at the first when we move, it seems just like you, you haven't even moved. As I was preparing for this, you know, a good exercise for us to do is look at our own lives five years ago and ten years ago and look at where we were spiritually and what we thought was evil and what we thought was ungodly, what we thought we would never get involved in, and look where we are now and say, have I moved? Because God hasn't. Have you moved? Periodically, we need to see our eye doctor our spiritual eye doctor on a regular basis to check our vision. And if we need to make changes, then we need to make changes. Four or five years ago, my good eye, all of a sudden I told Sue, it's like I have saran wrap in front of that eye. I, I can't really see very good. And she immediately, she used to work at that place, said, I think you have shingles in that eye. I went there and sure enough, the pressure was sky high. I was petrified because it was my good eye. I hope I have the same passion. When my vision is so nearsighted that I can't see beyond here spiritually, that I have the same passion to take whatever corrective means are necessary to get me back on track with God. We check our physical eyesight, and we should. And I encourage you to do that if you don't. But Lot lost his spiritual vision. He became so nearsighted, all he could see what was immediately in front of him. Totally blind to beyond that. Lot became... I'll wrap this up. Lot became blind to character. And what I'm about to read you is a couple of verses from chapter 19. And if you want to see how far Lot 
has come from here to here. This exemplifies it. Lot and his wife were residents of Sodom. He may have started outside, but if you go to chapter 19, you'll find that Lot is sitting in the gateway of the city amongst the leaders of the city. That means he was totally involved in the politics and the things that were happening in Sodom. And two heavenly visitors came and said, Sodom, you've got to get out of town. You've got to take your family and get out of town. God's going to send fire from heaven. He's going to destroy these cities. And Lot said, uh... And then he said, why don't you stay the night? Because I think it was getting dark and he was scared to let those people, those two men go. Took him into his house. And it says the men of Sodom came into the town. Into, I'm sorry, into, in front of his house there in town. Beat on the door. And said, Lot, send those two guys out. These are the men of Sodom. says, men and young and old, send those guys out that we can have sex with them, homosexuality. And Lot said, we can't do that. There's no way. Okay, so far, I understand that. Verse 8. This is what he said to the men. Not the two men, the men outside. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men, for they have come under the protection of my roof. As a father, I can't even begin to imagine thinking that, let alone offering my daughter, daughters. The men of Sodom said, "Uh uh-uh, not interested in them. Lot became totally blind to the truth of the word of God. He had to be forced to leave and the the allure of the world sucked him in. Had to be forced to leave. and, And the two visitors said, get out of town and they took him and and Lot's character became so corrupted that sometime later his two daughters got him drunk and had children with him. I don't know. I don't know where Lot is. I don't know. It is my prayer that Lot repented and ended up in heaven. I, I certainly, I certainly hope so. But it's important as we read this story and as we consider that we look at our own lives, as I said, and we check our spiritual vision to see where we're at. To see things through the eyes that are lit up with the Word of God and the power of God and the Holy Spirit in my life. To say, God, what are the long-term consequences of what I'm about to think about or about to do? Help me make the right choice. Help me not to be blind. Help me be able to see beyond right here. In what direction, God... Am I pitching my tent? In what direction are you pitching your tent? Are you pitching it with Abraham, the land of Canaan, looking forward to an eternity with God? Or are you pitching it with Sodom, 
I'm sorry, with Lot toward Sodom. Choose wisely. Make good choices. Check your vision. Pitch your tent with God. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we look at this story and it's a heavy story on one hand. But it's also another story that you did indeed rescue Lot from the destruction of Sodom when it happened. But he had to be encouraged to leave. Father, I'm convinced Lot had no idea that he was going to go so far from what Abraham and you had taught him. And Father, I pray as we think about this story that you would give us the courage and the passion and the desire to look at our own lives, to do spiritual vision checkups in our own lives, to make sure that we're making good and wise and godly choices. Father, help us to look at the long-term implications and not be so nearsighted. Help us to pitch our tents toward you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and be dismissed.